are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. So we started this, launched this series called Bless. It's a series called Bless. And I, I think it's important that it's called Bless and not Blessed. Not blessed, B-L-E-S-S-E-D. We know we're blessed, but it's blessed. It's because we have to see ourselves as being a blessing to others. And so our mission at the Calvary Church is that the Calvary Church exists to help people find a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and live out his purposes. That's what we're called to. And so we've talked and you've heard it if you've taken our assimilation courses, how Uh, that Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. A disciple is not somebody who just knows or a disciple is not somebody who learns. A disciple is somebody who bears fruit, somebody who has something about their life that impacts the people around them. And so we don't want to just have a relationship with God for ourselves, but we want to produce spiritual fruit that blesses other people. And so we take our, our, our real cues from the parable of the sower. I'm not going to go into that. We've rehearsed that many times, but found in Mark chapter 4 about the four types of soil. There's the path, the soil that's, that's trodden down, the rocky soil, the soil that's got thorns in it, and the soil that is good. And Jesus uh, really talked to us about how the Word of God is impacted by those different soils. And ultimately, the goal of Mark chapter 4 is that we would bear fruit, that the seed that's planted in our hearts would bear fruit and would make a difference. And he says some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And so the ultimate goal of growth is to produce fruit. And so we have five ways that we challenge the Calvary Church to bear fruit. The first is the right soil, cultivating soil. And uh, the soil is the key to seeing something grow. And so we challenge, uh, we believe a disciple will belong locally. A disciple will belong locally. Secondly, the seed. And we talked a lot last week about seed. Anthony Henson spoke on the first series about belonging locally. Last week I talked about the seed of God's word and the importance of learning truth. And so a disciple will learn truth. And then we uh, are going to talk tonight, but the importance of the atmosphere, that there's, there's a, a, an atmosphere that needs to be there, the sun and the rain, in order to see fruit and a seed produce, uh, an atmosphere creates the energy that makes it possible for fruit to come out of the ground. And so we realize that a disciple will experience transformation A disciple will experience transformation. And then finally, when that fruit comes, it's important that that fruit not stay on the vine, it not stay on the tree, but a disciple will share light and serve others. And so we we believe that a disciple will belong locally, learn truth, experience transformation, share light, and serve others and uh, we will live out our purpose in God, and that is to bless others. Everyone say bless. bless. So tonight, I want to look at the opportunity we have to experience transformation, the opportunity that we have to experience 
transformation. And if I get a little bit excited, I know it's a Wednesday night, but since we didn't have Sunday, bring your amens into Wednesday night. I'm sure you've stored them up. You've got a lot of amens to give from Sunday. Let me be Captain Obvious. I love that commercial. I want to be Captain Obvious and very encouraging you to you tonight. Humanity is broken. You're welcome. Do you feel better? We're going to rename this Downer University. Um, humanity is broken. Sin has taken its toll on humanity. We certainly have moments of goodness as humans, but how often we fall. In every generation, there is a quest or a reaching to be a better human race. But the change that is desired seems always just out of reach. Our culture wants peace, and it's reaching for it. Our culture wants love. Our culture wants joy. But every culture and every generation seems to climb up the snowy slope of a better way, only to slip back down to the bottom of degradation and debauchery. We reach for goodness and kindness as a culture, but it seems we can't help it. We still fight. We still steal. We still lie. We still envy. We still cheat. We still kill. We still hate. Thousands of years of history, yet no one, no one has found the cure for these human conditions. No one has found the fix. Think about all we've learned about humanity throughout history, yet we fall back to these seemingly undeveloped attitudes and actions. Language has changed. Cultures have changed. Clothing has changed. Technology has changed. Yet we come back to the same issues. That's one of the many reasons I find the Bible relevant. It speaks to the conditions of humanity from thousands of years ago. Here we are in a sophisticated, modern, postmodern, technically, scientifically, and medically advanced world, yet people are still lying, cheating, stealing, and killing. I agree that we can certainly experience change through human achievement, human psychology, Education, government, business, arts, and entertainment have for years, decades, hundreds of years, thousands of years tried to fix these issues. And there are many human systems. There are many human ideas and philosophies and even medicines that work and help. And I might add should be used since we know they help and they work. But over the years, while we have become more intellectual and more scientific, and more educated, and more connected, and more entertained, and more medicated, the issues innate in humanity, born out of sin, and our sin nature remain. That's why David would say in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. 
Paul acknowledged our sin nature when he said, therefore, just as though one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So with all of this knowledge and all of this progression as a culture, do we still hate? Yes, we do. Do we still lie? Yes, we do. Do we still hurt each other? Yes, we do. Do we still cheat? Yes, we do. And so I want to first remind us tonight that transformation is needed. Real transformation is needed. Brought a couple pieces of paper up here tonight, and this was an illustration that Bishop Pasley used, the second used, and I think it's powerful. Got a piece of paper here tonight that's smudged. It's got things written on it. It's dirty and it's stained and it's pretty messed up. And then I crumbled the paper and it's all wrinkled and it's all messed up. And the wrinkles and crinkles now are just a part of the paper. It's kind of impossible for me at this point to make this paper what it needs or to be valuable to anybody who would want to use it. It's kind of set in its way. This is the truth about sin and its presence in us. Sin is not this foreign infection, something that's imposed on us. It is the core of who we are. For sin has been passed on to all humanity. We all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Secondly, we realize tonight that transformation is not just needed, but it's possible. And that's the Christian message, that transformation is not just some thing that we're reaching for in the distance, some ideal out there that we're just going to keep trying to create human systems and psychological understanding and philosophical ways of understanding to try to achieve this peace. We realize that the real transformation comes from one place, and that is Jesus Christ. And so that's why Ephesians would tell us, Ephesians chapter 5, 27, says that Jesus might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He's not just going to take this human nature, this sin nature, and just try to unwrinkle the sin that's in our life. No, the Bible says that we're going to be a new creation, Old things are going to be passed away. Behold, all things are going to become new. And so we start now. God wants to start with a a clean slate in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I believe that God still has some writing to do. He wants to take some of the the pages that have been written over and worn over and wrinkled up and, and start some new pages in our life. 
It's a blank canvas. It's a, a new piece of artwork, as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Another translation called it, we are his masterpiece. And so there's a, a new canvas that God wants to write on our lives. Not only is there a need for transformation, but we can see that the transformation is po- possible And we see this in two ways. Number one, we see it because we can read Scripture, and Scripture declares to us that we can be transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Bishop Hasley II said about this verse, this is not a cleanup, this is not a surface change, but you literally become someone who had never existed before. That's why Jesus was so adamant about saying, you must be born again. It's not taking the old man and washing him up and trying to cleanse him. No, it's a new man. And if you've come today and you're struggling with the old man, God's idea is that you would be a new man, that you could have a start over. Amen. Mr. Pasley II said, many times Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could apologize, but he died on the cross so you could be transformed. And not only do we see in Scripture a clear pattern of the power and opportunity for transformation in in Scripture. But in this church, we would be reminded that there are examples of people all over this congregation that have been transformed by the power of God. It's not just some theory that we find in the Bible, but it's, it's something that you and I have experienced and are experiencing in our lives. I've asked Anthony Mitchell to come. I appreciate this great man and uh, his family and what God's doing in their life. And this is just one of many examples of the power of transformation. We're not talking about something that's mystical or something that's just out there in theory. This is something that's happening in the lives of people in this church. Amen. All right. So... This is kind of interesting because when you're born into the quote-unquote church, you know, everybody thinks that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, everything's fine. Ministry on both sides of my family, everybody's preachers. The only one who's not is my dad. Um, tragedy has a way of redirecting your steps. So my mother passed away when I was 11. Um, I grew up. Um, if you don't know, Delano is my stepbrother. Um, his mom came to Illinois. Highway 74 actually dead ends in my hometown. So, I don't know, coincidence that I'm even here. So, you know, there was a time in my life that I made a lot of poor choices. Um, my daughter was here um, not that long ago. She's 24. I'll let you guys do that math. Um, you know, there's always been excuses of why I can't do things. And, you know, there's a past that just haunts me every day. 
because of things that I've done. Um, you know, I was in the military. Um, you know, I had friends that committed suicide and I didn't witness to them. You know, that bothers me because I didn't take the opportunity to share, you know, what I have. Up and down, you know, all the time in church, out of church. Never fully committed. Um, you know, you go to church, it's a social gathering. Um, a couple years ago, I've lived in Cincinnati now for about 20 years. But probably three or four years ago, I started my relationship with Pastor Pasley. And he believed in me. Um, I spent a lot of time with him. And from what I gather, you know, that's pretty special. Um, it was very special for me. Um, you know, we would go to lunch. I don't... <laughs> I didn't feel like I needed a Bible study, but we walked through the whole Bible again. Um, it's one of those things to where when somebody believes in you, when you don't believe in yourself, that gives you that extra, um, I guess it's the extra oomph that you need. Um, I was in a really, really dark place when I started meeting with him and, um, I would talk to Kristen about, you know, church or God. And even in the darkest place, it doesn't matter, you know, where you're at in your life or what you're doing. It's that little hint that you once had a taste. You know, I am the true story of the prodigal son. I mean, it, it's amazing. Um, what's really helped and benefited me is being fully committed and, you know, taking the step of faith. Um, I do have a lot of faith. Um, you know, I've been all around the world. I've been to 35 countries. I've been on missions trips. I've seen people healed. You know, you pray for somebody. And, you know, this one time we were in Africa, prayed for this guy, and he was deaf, and he got half of his hearing. Well, God doesn't do things halfway, so you pray again. So, I mean... All through my life, it's one of those ups and downs. You know, it's a roller coaster. But it, it always comes back to the core of, you know, God's word is true. You know, it's infallible. Um, I read something, and I don't know if one of my church friends posted this, but it says the anointing that's on your life attracts attacks. Don't look at it as trouble. Look at it as confirmation and keep going. The other portion of that is, you know, my life in the ups and downs is that means that I am broken in all the right places because God doesn't use the perfect. So to say that, you know, Satan is a liar and the father of them, he always tries to attack us and distract us by attempting to create mayhem through our kids our finances, our past. But by my faith, I know that my God is more than enough to supply all of our needs. I was never faithful in paying tithe. Um, it's just one of those things where I didn't have enough money or I was too poor, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. You know, a couple years ago, 
right when I started coming here, I'm like, I'm going to commit 100% no matter what. And I redid my budget, and <laughs> it was funny. I met with Kristen at Starbucks and walked through my entire budget, and I was over budget the exact amount that I needed to tithe. What are you going to do? I mean, and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Something's just not going to get paid. I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, I made the commitment, and God has really blessed me. I never saw the effect of giving that money to the church. Um, I sold my house, extreme profit. Um, I gave the profit to the church, and I bought a new house. We went to the closing, and at the closing, they told us that we needed, I think, $5,500. And when we showed up, we went through the entire closing, signed all the documents, and we're like, okay, who do we make the check out to? And they're like, what check? I'm like, we owe $5,500. They're like, no, you don't. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we do because you just told me that. And I don't know, God worked it out, and he put that money that we gave to the church right back within just a matter of days in our pocket. Um, that, <laughs> that little token, I mean, no matter what, like that will build your faith more than anything. I mean, you know, when we did the missions thing, I won't tell you how much we gave, but we made a strong commitment, and we gave it. And I am a firm believer that God is going to give it back to us one way or the other. So the will of God at any cost, um, 2019 is going to be a building and faith year for me personally and my family. Um, few weeks ago, I did a seven-day fast where I did nothing but water, uh, no food, and talk about being tested. I mean, I love to cook, and as you can see, I love to eat. Um, but I cooked a meal. I didn't even taste it. I made somebody else come and taste it because I was that committed to what I was doing. And you think things are going to get better, you're fasting. Things got crazy. I mean, it... It got worse. I'm like, all right, something's wrong here. But, you know, I stuck with it and, you know, no issues. But um, one of the things that was interesting is in my prayer and Bible reading and, you know, listening to different sermons is the disciples couldn't cast out this devil of a girl who was possessed. And, you know, her father or somebody brought her before Jesus, and he's like, you know, your disciples couldn't do it. And it wasn't because they didn't have faith or they didn't believe. But that type of stuff only comes through prayer and fasting. And that's why we're in this, er this season of prayer and fasting is, you know, I want to be used by God more than anything. And Kristen will tell you that. Um, you know, I love this church. I love the people here. And I will do anything for anybody. If you need prayer, you ask me. If you want to fast, ask me. <laughs> I mean, I have faith to where I will pray the prayer of faith for people to be healed. 
And I mean, I don't care. I'm not going to back down. And, you know, this is just one of those things to where we're going to start sitting in different seats. So if I sit next to you to worship in church, don't think nothing of it because I'm not going to sit right there every service anymore. So (laughs) be prepared. Um, Paul said in Romans, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And that's that. Thank you. Thank you. And that, that's a picture of transformation. That's a picture of transformation. Somebody who's allowed the power of God to take over every aspect of their life. And here's what I want to say to the Calvary Church. We need to believe that transformation is possible. We need to believe it's possible in others. And we need to believe it's possible in us. The Calvary Church needs to be a church that believes in the power of restoration. We need to believe in the power of reconciliation. We need to believe in the power of recovery. We need to believe in the power of renewing and revival. That's the type of church that we need to believe in. I pray, I pray that I, I'll start with me, nor we get hardened by our own experiences with people that we lose childlike faith. We need a faith that believes that no matter what has transpired, things can be different. Things can change. People can change. I would rather give people a chance and then fail me than for me to never attempt to give people an opportunity and never see the change that is possible. One overcoming story is always more powerful than a thousand stories of coming up short. You have no no uh, end to the stories of people coming up short. You're always going to have those stories of people not quite making their potential. But one story overthrows a thousand stories of failure. And we want to be a church that continues to believe for that one story. I don't care how many times they've walked away from God. I don't care if they ride rode a roller coaster in their whole Christian existence. I'm still still going to believe. I'm still going to have childlike faith uh, that they can experience true transformation. Oh, hallelujah. God would never call us to do anything he himself is not willing to do. And I hasten tonight. He will not call us to do anything he has not asked us to do. When the disciples ask him, how many times should we forgive? He said, Peter said, seven times, is that good, Lord? That's pretty good. That's more than one. (laughs) Jesus said, no, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And if God is calling on us to forgive that many times, that means he's willing to forgive that many times. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Transformation is possible. We have the opportunity and uh, we have, this church has the opportunity to see great 
transformation occur in people's lives. Listening to his story tonight was powerful, and I, I, I was having a conversation, I hope not to embarrass Wellington tonight. We were having a conversation last night at the Spanish Bible study, and I, he, he was saying, I, I want to basically change who I am. I, I, he said, I've, I've watched how I used to react to situations, but since I've submitted my life to God, I've watched that I don't react the same way to situations. And he talked about fasting and prayer and listening to God's word. And, and it just encouraged me that transformation is possible. Oh, hallelujah. Proverbs 24, 16, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Apostle Paul reminded us that transformation was possible. Real transformation was possible. He also realized it required us to bow our hearts to a God who is able to transform. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He believed, Paul believed that transformation was possible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, and he lists all the sins, and he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, that you had this change happened in your life. And he said it happened because of the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. As you know, I've said this many times, this is described, describing, I believe, the power of baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We cannot experience true transformation without the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. We need the gospel message in our life. And, and I would call it, I, I don't know if this analogy works well. Uh, I just, it came to me. I'm going to give it to you. But I, I, I call it the check of transformation. When you write a check, you need a, a few things. You need a, a, a payable to. Somebody's got to be the payable to in order for the ch- check to, to go where it needs to go. And you, you need an amount on how much the check is worth, and you need, of course, a signature on that check. Can I, can I remind us that Jesus paid it all? The money's in the bank. He's got the money in the bank. The cross put the money in the bank. It paid the debt of our sin. It paid the debt of our deliverance and our transformation. But I, I would submit we need the check. See, the check is payable to me. It's to cover my sins, to cover my iniquities, to cover my transgressions, to cover my peace, and it's payable in a sense to me. My thought is baptism is in his name is the signature on the check. It's the authority on which the check is valid. You can't cash a check without a signature. You need the name of the person who has the money in the bank in order to transact the check. And I would suggest that the Holy Spirit is where the amount is filled in. That's the actual power of the check. That's the weight of the check. It's the reason the check exists. Can I submit it's really the resurrection 
power. Jesus died to allow us to be a new creation, to have the opportunity for him to breathe into our nostrils like he did in Adam in creation, that he wants to give us literally a new birth. How much is that check worth? Can I tell you, it's more than you've ever had. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's an amount worth more than you've ever had in your life. It's supernatural. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. I would submit tonight that the amount on the check written to us because of Jesus' work on the cross is written as dunamis. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so Pete Paul says, and such were some of you. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. Transformation is possible through the gospel. Transformation is possible for others through the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. And so Calvary Church is going to be a church that believes that people can experience transformation. Their sins can be remitted. Their sins can be washed away. They can start a new life with him where they start bowing their heart to him and making different decisions in their life. And God will bring peace and God will bring love and joy and those things into their life. And so our application tonight is that we have worship service, worship services, excuse me, that are happening every weekend except when there's snow. There's prayer meetings and revival services that are vital to people getting the opportunity to experience the transforming power of the gospel. As I mentioned last week, if if you're not maybe thinking about our worship services, I want you to understand why we have the worship service on Sunday morning. It's so people can experience the power of the new birth. It's so people can experience repentance of their sins. They can experience the the wonder of being baptized in his name. So they, they have the opportunity that there's literally an atmosphere created so that they can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so the sun and the rain can shine in their life. And you and I have an opportunity to help with that atmosphere. And so I just wanna encourage you just talking to the saints tonight that when you come in here on Sunday mornings, your worship is powerful. It's meaningful to the atmosphere. Your response to the worship, your response to the word of God at the end of the message is vital for people to experience the power and the presence of God that makes changes in our lives. And I know that the 
the altar gets a little crowded or maybe you, you, you didn't. I, I understand that I don't preach in a way that everybody connects with every message. I get that. But I, I would just invite you to be a part of those altar times. Make a, make a way. Step up to the front so that if somebody feeling compelled to come has the liberty to say, you know what, there's a bunch of people up there. I'm not going to be embarrassed. They have an opportunity to come and experience the power and presence of God. I, I believe that people, and we've seen it, where people literally receive the Holy Spirit sitting where they're sitting in the pew, that they begin to worship God, and we're going to continue to believe for that. I, I believe, Wellington, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the water when he was baptized. He came up out of the water speaking in other tongues, and all those opportunities are awesome, but Sunday morning is so important. That service is geared towards people experiencing transformations. Of course, we bring our, of course, we bring our own uh, needs to that service. We bring our own things that are going on in our lives into that service. And I know, I know the Lord speaks to us all. But the power of God wants to, to, to baptize many on Sunday mornings. We also realize that the sun and rain of God's presence is not relegated to 11970 Ken Road. The power and presence of God can be experienced and should be experienced every day in your life. Your personal prayer time is vital to ultimately seeing fruit produced in your life. You can have the right soil, you can have the right seed, and you put that jar in a dark room and nothing's going to grow. You don't water it, nothing's going to grow. And so we realize the importance of the power and presence of God every day in our lives. I read this passage, and I'm coming to a close. We're going to have a moment of app time, so brace yourself. We need, God, we need God's presence to actually produce the fruit that demonstrates God's transformation in our life. Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That was written 2,000 years ago. Nothing's changed. That is the state of humanity and will always be the state of humanity. But he said... Of which I tell you before, just as I have told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God brings transformation in our life. It's designed to bring transformation in our life. That's why every day when you submit to the power and presence of God, you submit to the Spirit of God in your life, you will see fruit that not only impacts your life, but it will impact the people around you. And so what would happen if we experienced transformation? Certainly the fruit of the Spirit but there would be the gifts of the Spirit as well. Gifts, uh, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, 
healings, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. But Corinthians 12, 11 says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. I'm so thankful for the gifts of the spirit that operate, that have free reign in this body. Noeta Justy felt impressed, and I don't want to embarrass her, but impressed a few weeks ago with a word for our congregation, and I felt to share it, if that's all right, tonight. And so she wrote it to me on a piece of paper from January 6th, 6th, 2019. The Lord said, I am the Lord your God. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I never change. I am with you always. I am the rewarder of those who search for me. I will praise and reward your ending. So press on towards the mark. I am already at the finish line, waiting for you with a crown to honor you. Hear the word of the Lord. The Spirit of God wants to speak through us, wants to use our lives to impact those around you. And thank you, Noeda, for that word from God. Somebody needs to be encouraged with that word today. And so we have this opportunity to experience transformation. And I want you to take a moment here before we pray. And I want you to find two to four people sitting around you. And we're going to have three questions that I want you to answer. You've got two minutes. So you got to speak quick. Pick one of the questions to answer. What is the most incredible thing God has done for you or your family Question two, can you remember the first time you experienced the presence of God? Number three, what is the most memorable experience you have had in the presence of God? All right, you got two minutes. Talk to somebody around you. Answer one of these questions. All right, would you stand with me tonight? Anybody experience transformation? Anybody say amen to to that tonight? Thankful for the the transformation, the power of God to transform our our lives. I want to pray for us. And if you're here tonight and you're just struggling, I appreciate the testimony so much. It was powerful, powerful, Anthony. And thank you. Thank you. And if you're somewhere in that story, God can... God continue, continue to work. He's not, he's not done with you. And you have to bow your heart to him. You have to surrender to him. But he's not far from any one of us. And so I, I petition you tonight to surrender to the Lord. Lord, I thank you, God, for just the wonder of your power. God, without your grace, without your mercy, we would all have a rap sheet And we would be living out the works of the flesh. We would all be experiencing that every day. But only because of your grace and only because of your mercy. Only because of the debt that you paid on the cross. That we can walk in freedom. That we can find true love and true joy and true peace. I thank you God for the power of transformation. I thank you for this incredible church who believes that no matter how far people have strayed. No matter how 
or where they have walked in life or what they have done, we believe, Lord, that they can be changed by the power of the gospel. I thank you, Lord, for your power that invades our place. I pray that every service, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every prayer meeting, every revival, God, that we would see an outpouring of your spirit. We would not shy away from it. We would not just live casually through these services, Lord, but let us have an intensity, a belief that you're doing something powerful among us. I thank you, O God, for the change that we've experienced, and we give you praise and glory for your mercy that endures forever. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.